Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your awesome presence with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for all those kids. Lord, what a blessing they are. What a joy it is to have children around at Christmas time. And Lord, this morning, we just ask that you just speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit as you breathe on your word. Just have your way in our service this morning, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. And uh, starting at verse 1, we're just going to read the Christmas story as, uh, as recorded by Dr. Luke. Great to see you guys. <laughs> we tried to give you a ring a few times, but I uh, couldn't get hold of you. I'll catch you afterwards. That's great. <clears throat> Luke 2. At the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire... All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him his wife, Mary, his fiancée, sorry, took with him Mary, his fiancée, just getting ahead of things, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people.'" The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after, <clears throat> after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Seven days till Christmas. How many people haven't started their Christmas shopping yet? Good on you, Isaac. You're with me, mate. <laughs> well, we actually have bought a couple of things for the grandkids, but uh, it's come up really, really, really quickly on us. But every year at this time, the pollsters, and I know they get it wrong, uh, especially at election time, but the pollsters survey the UK and the US and they ask, what is the best Christmas film of all time? And one film is always in the top five and is generally number one and has been number one for the last decade. Anyone know what that film is? <laughs> it's a wonderful life. You got it. It's a Wonderful Life. How many people have never seen It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, damn me. What is going on? It's a black and white film, so I know that will... I know that's pretty hard on you. It's a... 
But the, the number one Christmas film of all time, and three quarters of you have never even seen it. Oh, dear me. <laughs> well, admittedly, it's a 1946 film. And the uh, film follows the life of George Bailey, who's the man who has basically given up his own dreams to serve others. And uh, everything has gone really, really well in George's life until Christmas Eve, 1945. And in Bedford Falls, uh, George's uncle, Billy, loses $8,000 of George's business's banking money. And you can imagine $8,000 back in 1946 is a huge, huge, huge amount. George knew that he's going to lose his business. He's going to lose his livelihood. He's going to face prison for something he hadn't done. And he is just suicidal. And George thinks to himself that he would probably be worth more dead than alive. And so he decides to throw himself off a bridge into the waters below uh, and at least supply his family with the money from his life insurance policy. His wife's praying for him, and as a result of their prayers, God intervenes. And God sends an angel called Clarence. And yeah, yeah. And uh, in the film, Clarence hasn't got his wings because he hasn't done something that's worthy of being promoted to a full blooded uh, angel. But anyway. Um, Clarence is sent to earth to stop George Bailey before he can take his life. And Clarence has uh, he ponders and he thinks, well, how can I convince this guy who's about to throw away the most precious gift he's ever been given, how can I convince him to want to live? And as George is talking to Clarence, George says, you know, I wish I had never been born. And Clarence thinks, oh. I know what I'll do. I'll make things so that George has never been born. So, from that moment on, George has never been born. When George tries to go back to his house, he finds his house is derelict because George has never been born to fix it up. Uh, the town that he's grown up in, Bedford Falls, has become Potter's Town. And it's a den of iniquity and evil and there are gambling halls and strip joints and all that sort of stuff all the way through it. In fact, George hardly ever recognises the place. The pharmacist that George as a boy had stopped from mistakenly dishing out poison, of course, because George wasn't there, the pharmacist did dish out poison. Lady died. The pharmacist, pharmacist goes to jail and he becomes the town drunk. His brother Harry never became a war hero because Harry died as a child because George was not there to save him when he fell through the ice. Hundreds of men died uh, on the battlefields because Harry wasn't there to save them. Uh, Mary, George's wife, with no George, ended up being a wretched, dejected, lonely spinster. And the affordable housing estate that 
George had supported with cheap loans was never built because there was no George there to, to lend the money. And so when George sees the negative impact of him never being born, he just wants to live, no matter what the consequences are for his life. Now, in the film, it all works out. Uh, but that brings us to the question that I want to talk about this morning. What if Jesus had never been born? What would our world look like? What would our life look like? What would you be doing if Jesus had never been born? Now, I could spend a whole hour going through all of the inventions that never would have happened because Christians would never have invented them. I could look at the way that it would have shaped governments. But what I wanted to do is sort of focus on the effect that it would have on our lives, you and I. The angel said when talking to the shepherds, a saviour has been born. Well, if Jesus was never born, there would be no saviour and there would be no forgiveness of our sins. We would be living under the curse of the Old Testament law. And of course, we aren't Jews, so that would make us Gentiles. Gentiles. So read bits of the Old Testament, plug yourself into the Gentile nations and see what your lot would be like in life. Uh, but we've been created by God to have a relationship with him. But our sins have caused that intended relationship with God to be broken. The law was given to Israel to show them God's standards. But no one can live up to those standards and live a sin-free life. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So turn to the person next year and say, You dirty, rotten sinner. You've made some mistakes. You're not perfect. And there's nobody here who's perfect. There's nobody here who's been able to meet every criteria of the law that God put out to show that this is his standard for living. We just can't do it. The law was given to show us that we can't meet it. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? It means that when we break the law, uh, we are guilty and the punishment for our guilt is eternal separation away from God. Billy Graham once wrote a letter to the governor of Chicago asking him for the names of all those people he knew that had spiritual problems and needed prayer. The governor of Chicago sent him back the local telephone directory. Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sins will find you out. And Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities or your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And it's impossible for an unholy people to have an ongoing relationship with a holy God. It's like water and oil. They don't, they don't mix. You can shake them up. You can, get them, you can try and put them together, but they don't, they don't mix. And we're all going to be judged for our sins, that's for certain. That's the bad news. If Jesus had never been born, our lives, our future would have been a mess. 
and we wouldn't have had a relationship with God. But he did come. He did come. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And while the wages of sin are death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I love what it says next, 4 verse 12. It says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given, by, given to men by which we must be saved. You can do whatever you like. You can try and be good. You can do lots of good works. But the reality is nothing, nothing, nothing wipes away our sin. Only Jesus Christ. And when you ask Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, he becomes our covering. He came to offer life. He came to bring hope and help. He journeyed from heaven to here because he loves us. And God's message is that Jesus came to forgive our sins. So don't live life as if Jesus has never been born. Come to him and ask him to forgive your sins. If Jesus had never been born, we would have no peace in the storms of life. Hands up, anyone here who has ever had a problem in life? Keep your hands up if you've ever had a big problem. Yeah, I got both hands up. Peace is the one thing that everybody, the world over, men and women, search for, but they never find. You can never have peace between nations until there is peace within nations. And you'll never have peace within nations unless there is peace between men. And you'll never have peace within men until there is peace within man. And you never have peace within man until there is peace between God and man. And if Jesus was never born, we would never have peace with God because that's what Jesus came to do, to bring peace to men. The angels on that first Christmas morning sang, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men. Most people seek peace through creating peaceful surroundings, trying to insulate themselves from life's problems. But people are crying out for peace, but they don't know how to get it because... They're living their lives as if Jesus was never born. Isaiah describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Matthew describes Jesus as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And because Jesus was born, we can have God with us, and we can let his peace rule and reign in our hearts, no matter what storms we're going through. A few years ago, I went through a really difficult time. In retrospect, I think it was because of some medication that I was on for back pain at that stage, which I reacted to. But basically, I had a panic attack. And I had a panic attack uh, a number of times over about a week, week and a half. Has anyone ever had a panic attack? Yeah, it is the most, it is the most horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And 
I didn't know, I'd never experienced anything like that before. I didn't know why it was happening. But all I could do was cry out to God and ask him to bring his peace upon me. And he did. Eventually, I broke through. But the breaking through was difficult. And it was a, those of you who experienced something like that will know what it's like. Just that utter desperation, that knot in your stomach, that, that hopelessness, that fear which overtakes you. But the reality is that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. And because Jesus came, we can know his peace. If Jesus is with us today, if you've invited him into your life, then you can say, yes, I know him as God with me. If you haven't, then you're living life as if Jesus was never born. And that's terrifying, especially in the storms of life. When he is with you, you can look to him for help. You can look to him for guidance. You can look to him for deliverance from the storms. He cares for us. And all that call on him will be saved. He's promised never to let us down. So God's message to us is that Jesus was born and he is with us to forgive us our sins and to give us peace. And he is with us to give us victory and a reason for living. I love Billy Graham's quote, which I've seen on the church notice board, which says this. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. No point. And I think that sums it up. If Jesus was never born, then there's no point. No reason for living. There would be no outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There would be no victory in the battles of life. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, Jesus said. A couple of years ago, I planted an extra two plum trees. And last year, they were doing absolutely fantastic. Both pruned up exactly the same. Both grew exactly the same. But this year, things were different. That's... One of the trees. And as you can see, it is exactly how it should be looking. In fact, I let it have a few plums this year. The other tree, and that's a photo taken two weeks ago, looks pretty sad. It had, it had little leaves in spring. But every time it would produce leaves... Something would eat the leaves. So I sprayed it with insecticide, and that didn't seem to make any difference. So I sprayed it with really, really, really strong insecticide. And it worked. Well, it worked for three days. And then all the leaves disappeared again, all eaten again. I thought, man, those bugs must be big. And then one day I was praying after two and a half months of this. 
And I thought to myself, I wonder if it's possums. And so I uh, put out my little possum trap. I caught four and a half possums. Four and a half possums. How do you catch half a possum? Oh, it had a baby. One of them had a baby in its pouch. Oh, there. That's put you off. Yeah. Just don't think of the possum. Think of my tree. In fact, that's what they, that's what they, do, all to, to, that's what they do to native trees. They, you know, if you've been down south, that's why the New Zealand government is so um, heavy into eradicating them because they actually kill the bush, the possums. Introduced from Australia, I think. Are there any Aussies here this morning? No, no, yeah, just, okay, I won't, I better not say anything about Australian, Australian imports. <clears throat> but anyway, four and a half possums in six days is what I caught. And now I am pleased to say that there are at least four, whoopsie, I, I knew I was going to do that. There is at least three times the amount of leaves on it. They're actually growing now. What's that got to do with Jesus coming or not? What's that got to do with us having victory and a reason for living? Well, the reality is, that's what we're like if we don't have victory in life. We are stunted. We are fruitless. But when Jesus Christ comes into our life, he gives us discernment. He gives us the ability, actually, to see the snares that the enemy puts in front of us. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And another way that you can pray that is each morning say, God, let me be so full of your Holy Spirit that as I walk into the day, I will see the snares that the enemy puts in front of me and I'll be able to avoid them instead of stepping into them. When you don't see what the enemy's trying to do, because he says, I've come, the enemy, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. That's what he wants to do to our lives. But Jesus Christ gives us discernment. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be a wonderful, he wants us to have a wonderful life. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. That's not abundant life. That's living life as if Jesus was never born. That is abundance. That is fruitfulness. And we need to recognize that because Jesus was born, he gives us power. He gives us the authority to come against the works of the evil one and break through and have victory in every situation and in every circumstance that we might face. If Jesus was never born, we'd be looking like that first tree. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life to the full. And when I asked Jesus to come into my life, I was... At university, my whole world, my whole focus in life changed. Something happened on the inside. It was like my eyes were opened and all those verses that I had read as a kid in children's church suddenly came alive. That's why we can sing hymns like, Joy to the Lord. 
Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Because life in Christ is wonderful. And it sure beats the alternative, guys. Life in Christ is not without sorrow. It's not without problems. But, I, but knowing that I am created by a loving God who says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, that gives me great confidence, knowing that my past is forgiven, knowing that God is with me now and will be with me tomorrow, knowing that God has a plan for my life, which... We are working on together. No wonder I'm enjoying life. He has dreams and visions and his seeds growing within me. And when the enemy comes against me, he gives me wisdom and shows me how I can step round the snares that the enemy will try and put in my path. If Jesus had not been born, let's have the musicians, we would not realize the great love of God. We would have remained in darkness, slaves of sin. We could not have been able to get rid of fear. We would not have salvation. We would not defeat Satan. We could not inherit the kingdom of God. We would have no peace and no hope for the future. But Jesus did come to this earth. In fact, there is more evidence for the birth of the life and the death of Jesus Christ than there is for the existence of Julius Caesar. He is the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy. He was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Heavenly angels announced his birth. Shepherds visited him. Wise men visited him. He did live a perfect life. He touched people and healed them. He raised people from the dead. He walked on water. He fed the the multitudes. He died on a cross. He has risen from the dead. He has paid our sin debt. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and He is now making intercession for you and for me. He listens to the cry of our hearts. He loves us with an everlasting love and He wants to forgive our sin and He longs to be our Savior. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning and have His Holy Spirit dwelling within you, then you are living as if Jesus was never born. And you are living beneath what God has planned and purposed for your life. Emmanuel, God with us, wants to breathe on us this morning and produce kingdom life in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in our church, and in our city. He is with us. And He will forgive our sins if we ask Him and give us peace and give us life to the full. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning?